1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
0: Nine weeks in the books. It's time to talk about week 10 here on the Believe Podcasting Network. Welcome, everybody, to Believe in the Pac-12. My name is Jonathan Rifkind. I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Ryan Leaf. And it's time to talk about only four games on the slate for Week 10 in the Pac-12. But two of those games, perhaps the most important for conference implications up to this point in the season, Ryan and I will have it all for you in this podcast. So I think the best place to start with all of this is Utah-Washington. Number one, it's the early game. It's a 1 o'clock kick, which seems a little bit weird, Um, but I know Fox has their high noon game for the Big Ten, so they don't want that game to overlap with their broadcast of this Pac-12 game. So it's a 1 o'clock kick. Utah at Washington. Ryan, you have Jacob Eason going against, I'm not going to say Huntley because I think they're very different in, in system quarterbacks, but more against like Zach Moss and what has been a very good Utah defense. How do you see this game going because... I think Utah is going to walk away with the win. And, they're you know, you said on our last episode, Utah is the best one-loss team right now for you because their defense has been so stellar. Will this defense head into Seattle at 1 o'clock, step up, and shut down Washington?
1: Well, you know, defensively, I don't see how they, they won't what they've been able to accomplish since that USC loss. Now, this game has been uber-physical. Washington's had their number. Uh, they beat them in a a very defensive football game uh, last year in the Pac-12 championship. Comparatively, do I think that Utah can overcome Washington's defense and score some points when they couldn't without Zach Moss, without Tyler Huntley last year in the the Pac-12 championship? Yes, I think that's the difference. I think defensively this could be a very uh, comparable game. I think Washington finds a few ways to get some points against this very good defense. But I just think Utah's, def- Utah's offense is going to be more explosive than Washington's offense against the respective defenses. So uh, I think Utah does get in this, get into Seattle, continue this winning streak, and put themselves on a collision course with the Oregon Ducks for the Pac-12 championship. And they need to win it. They, they can't afford to lose it because if they do, they are still behind USC, even if USC loses against Oregon. So they have to win this football game. It is a must win for them if they want to be considered Pac-12 champions as well as a possibility being in the college football playoff discussion.
0: If you're a Utes fan, you're a Ducks fan this weekend, it's that simple. Not only are you playing the Ducks rival, but you need Oregon to win uh, for USC to drop back in the South and for Utah Utah to have that shot at playing in the Pac-12 championship. Jacob Eason's been a really interesting story this season because he came in really highly touted. You know, a former SEC quarterback, former McDonald's All-American from the state of Washington. He comes home, he lights up the first few weekends. And since then, I'm not going to say that he's dropped off the map, but the conversation surrounding Eason has regressed a little bit. What do you attribute that to? Do you think that it's just the nature of this, I mean Jake Browning was sort of the same way at Washington as well do you think it's the nature of this program or the conference as a whole or is just you know we're more focused on guys like Herbert yeah. and guys like Montez right now
1: I mean I just I, I feel like that uh, you know the loss of Jonathan Smith is is significant I, I really do I thought his inventive ways uh, in, in that offensive scheme it was meaningful and uh, I know even he was there during the second year after the big, 43 touchdown explosion by jake browning where he struggled a little bit but i still thought his inventive nature um plays a big part in this offense and and uh, and in chris peterson and the process that comes with that so um and don't forget jacob easton hadn't played for a long time right this is the idea that he's going to come in and just blow everybody out of the water and then just you know say peace and i'm out to the nfl it may still happen right because his physical attributes allow for him to be in that conversation but I think the best thing for him is to play his tail off the rest of the year, come back and and try to dominate and, and win a win a conference championship next year, like Justin Herbert's doing. You know, I don't want to, uh, you know, speak for anybody else, but but I I really do think that would benefit him more and more experience he could get, more starts under his belt. I think would be beneficial because he's got every attribute capable uh, uh, of being a, a star quarterback. Um, this football team could lose their fourth game of the season fourth conference football game and still be really really good it, it, it just it's it's how it may play out so um that really would make it for an interesting apple cup this year to see who could get over the top um with probably two of the better four lost maybe five loss teams in the country so um I, I i think utah just finds a way to get it done not only because i think they're the superior team defensively and are going to be more physical this year, this year but because it's a must-win for them. They have to win. This, this game doesn't mean anything for Washington other than for you know pride and bragging rights. But for Utah, it means the world, and I expect them to play in that way.
0: Utes have a chip on their shoulder. We'll see uh, what the outcome is. 1 o'clock on Fox. Joe Davis back in the booth after uh, baseball season, at least for him, is over. 130, Oregon State, Arizona. This game sort of on the back burner of the four games slated on the Pac-12 schedule. But it's intriguing because you have two quarterbacks, one in Jake Luton, who I actually really began to like this season. His numbers, by the way, you mentioned Jonathan Smith. Luton's numbers aren't much different than Jacob Eason this season. Ironically enough, both with 16 touchdowns, both with over 1,500 yards. Luton has a little bit, um, or, or Eason has a bit more. About 300 yards more, but both have the same amount of completions. Very similar completion percentage. What, um, what Jonathan Smith's able to do with Oregon State's offense, and I know we talk about week in and week out, uh, has been really impressive. Um, and he has the the quarter the quarterback to fit that system for, and it's going to be interesting to see just how it develops. This Arizona Oregon State game doesn't have a lot of implica doesn't have any implications. But it, it's an interesting game to watch. Oh, you think it does?
1: I think it has a ton of implications around the coaching staff. Right.
0: So I think for program-wise, I think there's – for conference implications, it's like if you're a Pac-12 fan, you watch this game because you care about the Pac-12, not because there, there's Pac-12 implications. But as a program, uh, it, it does mean a lot, like you said, for the coaching staffs.
1: It, it's huge. I mean, Arizona in particular with Kevin Sumlin, right? I mean, he's had in his first two years – um, maybe one of the most dynamic quarterbacks ever to play in this conference in terms of his ability to throw the football and run it. And last year they go 5-7. and seven. And this year I had picked them to go 6-6 six and six to improve, get to a bowl game, and they're on the verge right now of possibly not doing that once again. If they were to go two consecutive years with that type of quarterback in place, and Kevin Sumlin's had to fire his defensive coordinator this week, uh, and they haven't been able to get it done, and, and because of the culture – in the state of Arizona around Herm Edwards and not him in his second year, I think means a lot. So you better go and at home beat an Oregon State team that has been at the bottom of the conference for a long, long time. But Jonathan Smith in his second year has done something completely different. There is a lot of optimism in Corvallis and around what he's doing. He's won two games on the road this year. So them going to Tucson, I feel pretty comfortable with Arizona's six-point favorite right now in this football game. I don't know. Oregon State, to me, has been one of the better football teams at the bottom of what our conference has done, and I wouldn't be too far removed thinking they could go down and upset this Arizona football team. It wouldn't shock me at all if that were to happen.
0: Arizona, you mentioned the Arizona State, sort of how the, the state of Arizona has, gradu, or has gravitated around Arizona State as a program. It's ironic because it feels like the tables have really turned in the state. Arizona has always been... The more dominant program, whether it be in baseball, whether it be in, especially in basketball and obviously in football over, you know, the course of the last decade or two. But now Arizona State is that program. They're getting all the best recruits for baseball. Their basketball team more competitive. They don't have the coaching scandals uh, that Arizona is having at the basketball level. And now football. I mean, they have a great coach. They have a good system. They have a quarterback who over the course of the next three seasons could potentially really represent this conference at an even higher level. So for Arizona, Arizona the implications are even greater because they've fallen off the map as the premier sports school in the state of Arizona.
1: Yeah. Herm Edwards has taken everything over. He watched HBO 24 seven the other day. It was like a marketing brand recruiting film for people out there. And Herb Edwards does it better than anybody. And they've been, you know, what I would consider middle of the middle of the road. I mean, it's not like they've, you know, taken over the world. They have two bad losses in the back-to-back games here. So as does Arizona, you know, it, it, the state isn't looking that great, but for whatever reason, the mantra or the influence or the attention that's being paid to Arizona State and Herm Edwards, and not to Arizona and Kevin Sumlin, and that's big for me. It's going to be huge on how they decide the rest of the season because it wouldn't shock me if they're a five and seventeen once again, if the administration there in Arizona just says, "Hey, you know, this isn't working. We're going to go somewhere else."
0: 130, Arizona, Oregon State, Arizona, as Ryan mentioned, the six-point favorite. I'm, I'm betting against the spread. I'm taking, I'm taking Oregon State plus six. I think that they'll lose by a field goal or find a way to win this game. Um, I'm not going to actually bet, but if I were to bet, this is uh, I would bet against that spread. 5 o'clock on Fox, the back end of Fox's Pac-12 slate on Saturday. Oregon at USC. This game scares me, especially with Washington State almost beating Oregon last week. I almost feel similarly to this game that I did when Oregon played Cal. Of course, that was before we knew that Garbers wasn't playing in that game. Um, USC and Oregon haven't played for the last two seasons. Oregon last beat USC at the Coliseum uh, back when I was a sophomore in college two and a half years ago. Um, And now it's time for them to rematch And it worries me because USC actually might have a better offense overall. And with what Oregon defense showed us last week, they can be beat.
1: No, they they easily could be beat. I mean, they've been in games they shouldn't have been this year, I think. But they've risen to the occasion in in a big game against Washington two weeks ago. And then they got it done against Washington State last week. There's something to be said about not blowing games that you should win late in the, you know, that's something. Winning football games is very, very difficult. They did it. They figured out a way. USC figured out a way against Colorado on the road in a tough environment, right? So this game for me is is uh, going to be very very good. I, I I talked to Max Brown today a little bit about it, and he he really said that uh, he doesn't think USC has the firepower and is injury riddled enough that that Oregon comes in and wins this football game. I'm I was shocked at his you know quick choice here in this moment. I, I, I think this football game is going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to be about turnovers. I really, really do. And Justin Herbert has been really good at not turning over the football. That's been huge. So it's the only reason they won the football game against Washington State last weekend. It's because they didn't turn it over. Washington State did. That's the difference in that football game. It's going to be the difference in the one Saturday night in LA. Um, Washington's, or, uh, USC cannot turn the football over. If they don't turn the football over, and there's a very good chance they beat Oregon, which would just throw the whole Pac-12 conference into utter chaos because it does nothing for Oregon. It does nothing uh, for Oregon other than take them out of the college football playoff conversation. They're still going to win the North. They're still going to be the Pac-12 representative uh, in the North. But what it does is it absolutely puts Utah on the outside looking in, and you could have an 11 and one Utah team. You could have the best record in the Pac-12 conference at 11 and one in the whole conference. And they wouldn't be playing for a conference championship. That would be, if you want to look at all things Pac-12, that would be the most Pac-12 thing you could ever imagine.
0: And then, of course, there's going to be the naysayers who talk about how there shouldn't be a conference championship at this point and it should be just the best record and blah, 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 blah. But that's what uh, people do when they freak out about things like not Making the com- the conference championship when you have an 11-1 record, uh, but I think the conference championship serves its purpose. It's really important. How do you see this USC game going? Do you see the abundance of offensive talent that USC has, at the receiving core, giving organs fit organs organ fits, and do you see the score being run up a little bit because look, Herbert is twenty one and one touchdown to interception ratio this season. He has over twenty one hundred passing yards. He's been efficient. He's been effective. It's gonna be Michael Pittman versus Micah Pittman. They're both gonna get a lot of looks, I have a strong feeling, because Micah's back at home. He's matching up against his brother, something that they have never done before, even though they played at separate schools. I just see that the implications outside of oh, USC could win the South, Oregon could win the north, depending on what happens with this game. I see the personal implications as another reason why this game could be so fun.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean there's a lot of things that go into the storylines every single week. I mean they just they're just. Are. I don't necessarily think that this game could be a big shootout that it was the last two weeks. I don't know if it gets into the 30s for both teams. I think this game more or less could be a 24-21, 27-24 type of football game, and I think that's where we're going we're gonna to see it play out. Justin Herbert was, was off last week, um, and there's something to be said about what the game plan had been in the second halves of both those football games against Washington and Washington State, where they just, you know, said, "Hey, the best component of our football team is the offensive line, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. And then we're going to ask Justin on third downs if we need him to to complete in, in in complete third down passes and move the chains. And that's what he did. But there's something also to be said where you don't ask him to throw one pass on a drive, and they score. What I mean, what you just become a a guy that turns around and hands the football off, and you're going to be possibly the first pick in the NFL draft. I mean, I don't know what that does for his psyche, but the way he responded and the way he came back and took him on that drive late in the football game tells me a lot about who he is. Um, and, And I think this game, like I said, comes down to the turnover margin. Who turns it over, who doesn't, wins this football game.
0: By the way, just really quickly, we didn't talk about this on Tuesday's podcast. C.J. Verdell with over 300 all-purpose yards last week against Washington State. He had the 89-yard touchdown run, which is the fourth longest in program history. C.J. Verdell's had a really, really good season. He's the top two running back in the conference. He's a top five running back in terms of efficiency, yards per carry, and total yards uh, in the nation. Do you see... Last week is a breakout, a real breakout performance, or was it just lackluster Washington State defense?
1: I think it's a lackluster Washington State defense, yes. But, I mean, I also think it's that offensive line, and and credit to them, right? I mean, that's their – that unit's the best part of this football team, and they've taken over the identity of their head coach, who's an offensive line coach, right? right? I mean, that's who they are. I mean, they have swagger with those five guys up front. Panay Sewell, you know, and and Brock Brock Morton, and every every one of them, that's – that's that's saying something. And they're going to they're gonna be physical, and they're not going to turn the football over. And I asked for this a year ago. I asked for them to have this identity and run the football like they did against Washington when they won and continue that play action and utilize Her- Herbert, and they just didn't do it against Washington State and Arizona a year ago. This year, they did it. They did it. They came out and did that against Washington State. Now they have to do the exact same thing against USC. They cannot go into that football game and then just become a team that's you know, throw heavy because they have a great quarterback back there. Guess what? They don't have great wide receivers like they have in the past. Right. They need to be able to run the football and play and and run play action off of that and that's how they win the football game and not turn it over. I can't stress that enough. Whoever wins the turnover margin or turnover battle in this football game is gonna be the is going to be the one that walks out of the Coliseum uh, a champion.
0: Five o'clock on Fox, Oregon, number seven, taking on USC for the first time in two seasons. It's going to be a fun one. I'm going to be there. If you happen to be around, come hang out with me. I'll be one of the many people wearing Oregon gear because that's what happens uh, when the Ducks come to L.A. There are just a ton of us out here. Probably really frustrates a lot of the non-Oregon fans uh, within the area. Final game on the Pac-12 schedule, 6 o'clock, Pac-12 Network, UCLA hosting Colorado. I'm not even going to begin to try and guess what happens in this game. I think UCLA pulls it out again. I really do. I it's what The narrative with UCLA has been just unreal. Colorado's taken a big step back since the Nebraska game all the way back at the beginning of the season and since then just forthcoming. I think UCLA wins this game. I'm probably wrong, but right now I'm convinced that the Bruins could probably beat anybody but a USC, Oregon, or Utah in this conference.
1: Yeah, I I mean, the way UCLA is trending, their four final games, I think they're very capable of winning three of them. Uh, You know, the Cal game, depending on if Chase Garber's back in the finale, and then the USC game where they won a year ago, and it's a rivalry game for them. So uh, you always kind of toss the records out the door there. Utah, at Utah in a week is going to be really, really tough for them. But Colorado, this is eerie. A year ago, they played extremely well against an Arizona State football team and won to go undefeated 5 and0 ranked in the college football playoff rankings for the, or, the NCAA, or the AP poll for the first time in a long long time and then they didn't win a game the rest of the year. They went five and seven. Well guess what? Their last win this year was at Arizona State when all of a sudden people are like what? They beat Nebraska, they beat Arizona State and you're like, okay, they haven't won a game since. If they do the same damn thing, I would never put Arizona State on their schedule again. And that's not going to happen because they're both in the South. So, right. you know, there's a good chance that they, they don't win another game this year. And then you go, well, what's the difference between McIntyre and Mel Tucker? You know, you just you just continue to, to go from this spot to this spot to this spot. And they have to find a way to get it done. And, and a, a good start would be to go to Colorado. Steven Montez to actually back up a, a good game with another good game, but this time on the road. And find a way to win. Uh, This one's a toss-up right now for me. I I think UCLA and what they've done the last few weeks. I've said it before. You can't take what a team's done the last week and bring it into this week because it's just such a crapshoot. But I'm probably going to go with UCLA, finding a way to defend their home ground and and win three in a row.
0: It's going to be such – that might be one (laughs) one of – I guess there really are three really good – four really – I mean, all these games are competitive. Arizona-Oregon State's going to be a good game. UCLA-Colorado's going to be a good game. Washington-Utah – Might actually be the least competitive of the four games on this slate, but one of the the biggest implications, and then USC Oregon uh, is going to be fun as well. Four games for Week 10. Before we wrap it up, Ryan, you are out on assignment this weekend. Where can we find you?
1: I am back to Nevada, back to the biggest little city on the (laughs) – Little big town. You know, biggest little city uh, in the world uh, for uh, New Mexico – um, Lobos match up against the the Wolf Pack of of Nevada, so I'm excited for that. You know, I'm just excited that I get to go and do this every single week. But I'll have my eye focused uh, on on the Pac-12 and those games on Saturday. Uh, college football rankings. When we do our next podcast, uh, we'll have a good idea of where those are possibly going to be um, uh, a week from uh, a week from Tuesday.
0: Those drop on November first. Make sure that you don't go two out of mind on Halloween so that way on Friday morning when the college football playoff rankings drop you'll be in the right mindset to understand why these teams are where they are. By the way, what you, do you you have a Halloween costume?
1: I don't. I have to travel. we're going to do something with the kiddo. Okay, good. Um you know, when they're only 2 years old, uh, we've been told not to costumes aren't really big because even though they may seem to like them, um it it still can scare them a, a lot. So, <laughs> we're ju- we're just going to we're just going to um Show them that we're there and kind of maybe just take them around and do some do some trick-or-treating for the first time. but It's fun. Yeah.
0: Well, enjoy Halloween, everybody. We'll be back on Monday for another edition, or rather Tuesday. Uh, Joey McMurray from Oregon-Learfield IMG Sports Network will be joining us. But until then, enjoy Week 10. Four games, all with either Pac-12, national, or program implications on the line. It's going to be fun. Catch Ryan on the Nevada-New Mexico new mexico call as well please rate review and subscribe for everybody who made our podcast possible special thanks to my podcasting partner ryan leaf and the plea podcasting network my name is jonathan rifkin signing off we'll be back on tuesday with another episode of believe in the pack 12